Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area. We're here to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. Our show is a great way to connect and expand your village and fill your parental toolbox with as many resources as possible. I'm Genevieve Kyle. I'm your host here on Parent Talk, as well as Les Parents Parle, which is Parent Talk French New Edition. I am 42-year-old. And I am a mom of two boys, Alexandre, who is two, and Nathan, who is just under one year old. I'm here today with my co-host, Heather Fox. Hi, Heather. Hello, everyone. Yes, Heather here, co-host of Parent Talk. I am 41 years old and mom to Hudson, who is um, just over two years old, and I'm expecting a little girl in March. Awesome. And today we are talking about how to decode your children's behavior. And we have with us Louise Clark. Louise is a certified parent coach, mindfulness coach, podcaster like us, <laughs> and a mom of three teenagers. Hi, Louise. Hi, everybody. So lovely to be here. And thank you very much for inviting me to be on your show today. Yes. Well, Welcome. I'm really, uh, we're really excited to have you with mm -hmm. us today. And let's dive into today's topic. When we think about decoding children's behavior, it could be so hard for parents to understand their child's behavior. We all know this, right? But understanding is the key to know how to deal with it. What do you recommend, Louise, parents do to understand why their child's behaving the way they do? Oh, how long have we got today? I could talk for hours. <laughs> But um, you'll see in the podcast notes, there is a PDF that I have prepared that will help parents um, decode and understand their children's behavior a bit better. And we'll refer to it a bit in the show as we talk today. But it refers to children's behavior being like an iceberg, uh, i.e. what you see on the surface is a fraction of what can be going on below. And it's up to us as parents to work out what might be happening beneath the surface because it's what's going on beneath that's going to influence what we see in them in the moment. Louise, many parents complain about the fact that kids don't listen. What do you recommend people do? Oh, that's a huge one. I know, the don't listen question. Oh, huh? yeah. Every parent's <laughs> like, my kids just don't listen. What's wrong with them? And, you know, there's so much that can be going on beneath the surface when it comes to not listening. And I do like to um, take the focus off our children at times like that and look at what is our part to play in the situation because we co-create the reality that exists in our homes. So if we're only looking at the child and blaming the child for not listening, we can oversee our part to play. And if you think about it, when certainly when my kids, you know, three teenagers, they might say to me, Mom, you don't listen to me. And um, it's very true because at times when our kids are, are caught up in doing something and we're caught up in doing something and we say to them, hey, can you please go and set the table? They're not hearing that request because they're, they're doing something else. 
And I'm kind of half-heartedly saying, go set the table because I'm making dinner. So I'm not in the moment with them and they're, and they're not in the moment with me. So neither of us are present to, to the situation. So I think so often when parents complain that their kids are not listening, one of the main reasons is because we, when we make requests of our kids, they can't see us. We might be in another room. They are not even remotely thinking about what we're thinking about, i.e. we need to go to the, get to the, get into the car in five minutes, go and get your shoes on or go and do whatever you need to do. We are, we're not beside them and they're not sitting playing Thomas the Tank Engine or sitting Snapchatting their friends thinking, oh, I'd better go and get in the car because we're going to the dentist in five minutes. You know, wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) So, you know, if they actually realized what it is that we're wanting them to do, but we presume that they do because we might have said to them in the morning, we're going to Gymboree this afternoon after our nap. Or when you get home from school, we're going to be going to the dentist. They'll hear that in the morning. But at 3.30, when they've come home from school and they're having their snack or they've just woken up from their nap, they're not thinking, "Mm, I'm going to Gymboree, best I go and get my, my shoes on. Or we're going to the dentist, I'd better go and brush my teeth. They're not thinking that. But in our minds, we are because we we know what's happening. So I think so often when they're not listening to us, not in inverted commas, they're not doing it intentionally. You know, kids are kids are kids. They're not thinking the same things as us. They're not on they're not on any agenda. They're so present and caught up in the present moment that as a, you know, a, a concrete a pourer can be going on outside and you can't hear a thing and they'll go, where's the concrete pourer? <laughs> because they're so caught up in their trucks or the story or something else that they're just not with us in the moment we're in. We expect them to basically think like us, like an adult. And absolutely, it's just creating disappointment. Absolutely. Um. Okay, so like those are kind of not listening, kind of like in a preparation type thing. Right now, having a two-year-old, <laughs> um, this is more my husband's frustration kind of with Hudson. It's more like a he's already misbehaving. So he's throwing something down the stairs. He's banging a truck on the window. He's doing something he shouldn't be doing. And of course, then we ask him not to, or, and then of course, try to say, you know, oh, let's drive our truck on the ramp, or let's, you know, we try to redirect what that should be. And he looks at us with that devilish grin and he continues. And then of course, Bruce gets more frustrated. Hudson, we said, stop. And like, and he, and then as soon as you get up to go kind of stop this behavior, Hudson knows and he laughs and he runs across the room. Like, and then, like, so, it's, it is different. We are in the same room. We are right next to each other. So how is, and it's obviously a different type of listing. He's very young. So how could we maybe make that more successful? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a huge frustration we all <laughs> yeah. face. You know, I'm, I mentioned we might not be in the room and we might shout to them or, uh, but when we are in the room and we, we make a request of them again, they're so present in what they're doing. And when we make a request of them that pulls them out of that activity, you know, Hudson doesn't want to stop playing what he's doing. He doesn't, he's found that this is fun and, 
and it's suddenly it's fun and to play bang, on the window bang, absolutely yeah. he's like and and here's the other here's the other thing is he knows he can get attention from it and he knows he can control you through it so there's an element with kids where they're not being devious and manipulative and like i'm going to control my dad but they know they can and i think Part of it for them is a bit of like, how far can I push dad here? You know, can I really wind dad up? And they'll hold the truck to the window and dad's going, don't hit the window. And he's like, how, how, really? Don't hit the window? I can hit the window right now. And they hit the window. So, you know, we have to be really clear with our boundaries and, and know what is acceptable and what's not acceptable. And, you know, I might sound like I'm, you know, being a bit permissive here saying, you know, they're playing and they're just going to hit the, the truck on the window. I, I don't mean that at all, because I think they, they absolutely need to know that certain things are unacceptable. And if you hit the truck hard enough on the window, you'll break the window. <laughs> so, you know, they, they have to know that you say what you mean and you mean what you say. And as parents, we have to follow that through. So if we say to them, please don't hit the truck on the window. And then they hit the truck on the window and we go, I said, please don't hit the truck on the window. And they do it and you go, oh, silly. And you kind of might try and make a, a make light of it to try and stop them doing it. They'll think it's a bit of a game. And I think, you know, it's that fine line and an intricate dance that we have to play where they know, no, this is it. Stop now. Or you know, yeah, we can play We can play in this a bit more. And, um, you know, maybe a distraction's great for younger kids. I know Hudson, as you said, he was just around about two and, you know, distracting them from it and saying, you know, can you hit the truck on the drum that's on the floor or can you bang the truck on the floor? But it's not going to be as effective at distracting you and getting your attention as hitting it on the window. So it is, it's really hard, but it comes down to us being able to again get beneath the behavior if if he keeps doing it you have to work out what is beneath this why is he doing this and it might be to get attention as i mentioned and it might be to control but those are usually patterns of behavior that are not random you know the control and the attention will come into more areas in life rather than just the truck on the window so you know when you look at um Things that are happening all the time, you know, every time he goes to play with the trucks, he hits them on the window, then it's a pattern. And then looking beneath it, it more likely to be probably attention or control um, versus just an isolated throw it on the window. It doesn't do it again. So you, you, you have to work out whether it is something that you're seeing a lot of. And with the iceberg, you know, going beneath the surface for repeated behaviors you can see the, the, the behavior on the surface might be one thing, but beneath it's the same thing that's coming up. Mm-hmm. So then not listening or kind of doing those types of behaviors could actually be their way of controlling the situation. And they feel like that's their way to gain that control then? Absolutely. I mean, it could be control. It could be anything. We have to be chief, chief inspector, clues of behavior to work out exactly what it is. But, you know, that's a whole other podcast in itself is control. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, the, the controlling child, I don't like to label kids, but, you know, I get more questions about my child is so controlling. I don't know what to do. He's self-defiant. He's, he's all these things. Um, he just says, no, he won't do anything I ask him. 
and you know so the control thing is a is is a bigger piece but usually it comes from not feeling capable not feeling like they are have enough control and I, I don't think, you know, when I say yeah, they're trying to control the situation, they're just trying to get attention and control you and, you know, see how far they can push you with the isolated things like banging a truck off a window. But control in itself, I could, you know, happily do another podcast on control <laughs> because I'm sure there's lots of parents out there going, yes, please. <laughs> so, Louise, about the how, how should we look at the situation when our kids are acting up? How should we look at it? <laughs> Big question. I know. What do we do? Yeah, How, you know, so it's... Uh, shift the focus off what you're seeing in the moment. The whining, crying, screaming, hitting, biting, kicking, pushing. Those kinds of things. Those are like on the surface. So working out how to deal with that in the moment. I mean, in the moment, if I said to you, you know, well, your child kicked a child, what are you going to do in the moment? You know what to do. And everyone listening here is you, you know what to do when mm -hmm. your child does something that might harm another child or another person, or they, you know, they lash out at you, but they, they don't, they don't mean it. It's often they don't have the words um, if, if, the, if physical aggression comes into into play um, but they often don't even know themselves why they're whining or crying or sulking so going beneath the surface what could be going on and you know the f beneath every behavior is an unmet need and it's up to us to try and work out what is that need and all human beings parents and kids alike we have you know five basic needs we want to be seen we want to feel heard We want to know we're worthy, that we matter, and that we belong. And the overriding question, which is at the bottom of the iceberg, do I matter? So those are really kind of core fund fundamental needs for all of us. So ask yourself, do you think my child feels heard? Do you think he feels seen? Because beneath I want to get attention behavior, They're often wanting to be seen. They need attention. So the unmet need is I need to be, I'm not being seen enough. Mommy's just had a baby and I'm now being totally ignored. So I need to ramp up my behavior so that she sees me and not just my baby brother or baby sister. So, you know, what can we do to try and get beneath that behavior so that they don't need as much attention. So you'd look at ways in which you can fill their attention cup or fill their feeling good about themselves cup. And when we start doing that, you'll see them, the change will, be, will come around in their behavior. They might not be openly seeking to get your attention as much. So using that iceberg is really, really key. And there's lots of things, you know, that could be going on beneath the surface. Your child could be, I'm just reading them here, but they could be sad, cold, tired, lonely, stressed, worried. Um, they could be hungry, insecure, feeling frustrated about something. He might have just tried to take the wheels off his truck and one's broken, but he's not said to you, hey, one wheel broke, the wheel's broken and now he's mad with the truck, but you just see him throwing the truck But he hasn't got the words to say, Mom, I'm so frustrated. I broke the truck and there's a wheel off. Can you help me? So in the moment you see him throwing the truck around, but you don't know what's going on. 
So being really curious and being open to what could be going on beneath the surface is really key. So this this um, iceberg analogy is, it's a really simple way of drawing our attention to the fact that there's always going on, more going on than meets the eye with our kids. But we look at just what's happening in the moment. I do have uh, your PDF here, Louise, and it's so well made. We have added it to your profile on our panel of experts and the PDF is right there. It's easy to find and print it, put on your fridge. It's awesome. It's a good little reminder to have it in front of you. I think this is Yeah, lots of parents I I work with, they stick it to the fridge. And uh, as you say, it's just a reminder because in the moment we forget, we become Mm -hmm. so triggered by the truck on the window that we forget there might be more, more going on beneath the surface. And so every time you go to the fridge... You see that iceberg and you really remember, ah, let's be curious. Ask myself questions. What's going on? This is this is this like the the symptom is the the surface behavior, but there's more going on beneath the surface, certainly for repeated patterns. For the for the isolated ones, you know, that's what kids do. I mean, we, we, we expect them to just behave well all the time. That wouldn't be real, it wouldn't be true to who they are. They don't know, they're learning. You know, Hudson's two. He's learning how to listen. He's learning how to interact. He's learning how to play with his toys. He's learning how to get attention. He's learning how to be in control. Mm-hmm. It's an exciting world for them, but I think sometimes we expect an awful lot of them. And in you know, asking ourselves what's going on beneath the surface for me as the mum, perhaps there's some unmet expectations or for dad. Mm-hmm. So Louise, we can find you on our panel of experts. Is there any other places where we can find you? Yes, you can find me at yourparentingpartner.com. As um, the girls here mentioned, I have my own podcast called Parenting in the Thick of It. I think all the links are in the bio on the expert panel as well. And yes, so you can find me in many places on social media. I have an Instagram page, Facebook page, and all the various um, places that you can go and Find more information on parenting. Awesome. I think it's time for a conversation card. Heather, can you please pick one and read it to us? All right. So today's little saying is to go berserk, which means to act in a wild and crazy manner. So now the origin of this funny little saying, um, berserkers or (laughs) berserks um, were Norse, warriors or Vikings who fought in an uncontrollable rage or fury, often wearing only bearskin or berserk, I guess this is the word for the bearskin, um, rather than armor. <laughs> so we're, we're acting like crazy Vikings when we go berserk. Okay. So, um, so the question is today, can you tell us how you might go berserk when your favorite team wins the tournament? Whoa. That's quite funny. I, I didn't know all that stuff about berserk in the word. I love I'm just going to go and get change and dress into a berserk, berserk outfit. Yeah. outfit. <laughs> I'm going to go and get a bit Norse-ish and Viking-ish. What do I do when I go berserk? I usually leap off the sofa and I'm super excited, but in a very quick moment, often especially when I'm watching sport, I can get overcome with emotion because I, I kind of look at all the players or the player And I think, oh my goodness, that's someone's child. And just what a moment for them. And I often end up crying. I get overcome with emotion when I see 
Um, teams winning, I think you mentioned fa- your favorite sport win, your favorite team wins a sport. So I can get quite emotional. Yeah. Yeah. I can, if there's two moments that I think back at, um, and like, obviously, you know, when we, you know, the, the, we win gold at hockey, like that's always hockey being Canadian is like such a amazing thing that, um, but then also actually when you talked about emotion, it reminded me when I was actually up in Penticton and I was watching the Ironman competition. I'd never seen it before. Um, so me and my sister who lives up there, we were kind of watching the, the finish line and I got crazy emotional. I didn't know these people. <laughs> it's just, hard though. When well, you yeah. get it or you feel. Once I started and I'm being there and seeing their families, like hug them and kiss them and welcome them across the finish line. It was so crazy emotional. So yeah, I totally get that emotional side of it, but definitely, yeah, it's the hooting and hollering, but definitely. I can totally see that emotional side as well that, yeah, when you're really go berserk. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, definitely the last couple times then I went berserk is, well, like you just mentioned, when the Canada, when Canada won the, the hockey game, it was awesome. Yes. I like was jumping around like crazy. But actually, when I really went berserk, I was at the last Stanley Cup game that they won the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, I know it's been quite cool. a few years, but I was there. Nice. And I kissed the guy next to me. <laughs> my boyfriend was on the other side, but it was it was just like a jump. And then we're gonna, I grab my boyfriend and everything, and then we grab other people, and then ended up having the other guy. And then it was like, Mwah, just like this, and yay! That's and then, amazing. It was so funny. It was just and we heard you from here. <laughs> but it was we were so happy. It was yeah. so great. So oh, that, that was amazing. Awesome. To kind yeah, of have that definitely. Like. That was that was definitely berserk. <laughs> We're not together anymore, so that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, well, that concludes today's episode. I want to thank you, Heather and Louise, for joining us today and helping us uh, growing our village. For our listeners, if you want to hear a little bit more about Heather and I, we're releasing some mini episodes called The Real Mom Moments, where we talk about what's happening in our daily lives. If you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on any platform where you like to listen to your favorite podcast. Or you can always subscribe to this podcast on our website so you don't miss an episode of Parent Talk. And please take a minute to review us. We want to know what you think. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner. Thank you.